love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Haley Chura and I'm joined by Alyssa Gadeski. Alyssa, I um I saw some just some Instagram stalking and I think you you did get some snow in Upper Vermont. Um did it did it hit you as bad as it did in Buffalo? Because I saw some of those photos from Buffalo with the lake effect snow and uh I was like, "Oh my goodness, that is a lot of snow. I don't know how far like Lake Champlain is from you or um any other lakes in Vermont, but like how much snow are we talking?" No, Haley, so we only got a couple maybe like 2 2 inches, I would say maybe 3 inches, I guess, and it has it's been persistent. It's been determined. So it's still sticking around a little bit, but um, we definitely did not get what they get like five feet or something in Buffalo. Um, wild. I'm like, I guess it's, I guess, um, I, you know, my geography, I need to look, I just think of like Northeast. Yeah. <laughs> so no, um, we, I, I think we, I think that's a little further apart. Yeah. I think that system kind of just went more North and then instead of more, instead of like continuing a Northeast pattern. So, um, it did, it did miss us, but it is officially winter here. And, um, we, yeah, we've been getting a little bit and like, we got a squall yesterday. It was really weird. Um, I was done my bike ride and then, which luckily I had convinced Matt to, that we weren't going to ride outside <laughs> because I was like, eh, 27, I don't know if I have thick enough skin yet in the winter to ride outside for 27. So let's just ride on the trainer. And then he went outside to run afterwards. And then I like looked out the window and it was like dark like black skies. And I was like, Ooh, that doesn't look too good. And then like five minutes later, it was like a snow squall kind of came through and he and Max came back from their run. And I was like, Oh, how was the squall? And he was like, well, it was a squall. Um, so that was good. We weren't out riding bikes in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely winter weather here and, um, but that's, it's fun. I'm excited excited for the winter. Um, it will not be winter where you are going in a couple of weeks to race in Daytona. No. And it definitely, it was a little wintry. I think where there were some races this weekend, I heard a lot of people talking about Ironman Arizona being chilly, but I don't know if that was just because everyone thinks Arizona is going to be hot. I think it was like, people were coming off St. George and they were just like, Oh my goodness. Like, is Arizona going to be the same? And um, it, I think it was, I think it, it, from watching it, I watched a lot of the racing in Arizona and it seemed like it was really nice racing conditions actually. And that's what, I mean, I think they had some wind obviously, but that, that course is kind of known for the headwind tailwind, but the run splits were very fast. And I mean, all the times were pretty fast. Sarah true our uh, if we were riding sister podcast co-host took that win. I know that's a big one for her. She was, she's pretty emotional coming across the line. And that was kind of cool to see. We know that's been hard. You know, she had a, she got sick in Kona. Right. And so didn't finish in Kona. And then I think, you know, you're always like, uh, you know, there's a lot left, uh, when you have a situation like that. So it was really cool to see Sarah come back and take that win in, in Arizona and then sky Monch in second and Danielle Lewis in third ran her way after a flat tire, incredible run there split for Danielle Lewis. Haley, I was spectating a lot of the Arizona race through the day. And uh, Meredith Kessler was one of the commentators with Matt Lieto for this race. And I have to say, 
you know, when I was like done for the day and I was sitting you know, in the lazy boy watching everyone run their really fast marathons in Arizona. And I'm just like watching the comments scroll through of on the side of the live feed. And Haley, there are a lot of armchair Ironman experts out there and a lot of people who, and I got my um, commenting privileges, I think taken away from me. What? Okay, I never even read the comments or look at the comments. I'm like, I'm just like, I can't be bothered to read the comments or to comment. But what what were you saying? What did you say that got you banned? So this one fellow decided to comment. He was like, come on, Iron Man, like, can't we finally get some better commentators? And this is like nine hours into the day, first of all. Also, they did a great job. I think that's one of the things that Iron Man has really been doing right lately is getting people in the commentating positions who know the sport and know the athletes and are doing good research and like giving good information. And so I think I just responded. I said, um, have you ever, I think I said, have you ever tried to talk about triathlon for 10 hours straight? They're doing awesome, right? And I don't think I realized how many other people were actually watching the comments too, because then like Dee Griesbauer's husband's like liking it, like, right. Like people are looking and liking my comment. Right. And so then he, he, he responds to me and he goes, actually I have. And so I was like, Oh, Who is this? I, so this I don't, like- I, I mean, I didn't recognize his name. So maybe he is some sort of, I don't know. A commentator, commentator. For, yeah for that was it michael lovato was it michael lovato it wasn't mckeely it wasn't rachel was it, choice like it I wasn't any of our other commentators that i've ever known so was it mike riley i know like in his in between calling people in mike riley's also so then that I, seems very out of character was it i was just i'm like, just trying to think who it could have been i mean it was an armchair triathlon expert. So of course I like throw up my hands. I think I just like typed back like cool story, bro, send us the link and we'll check it out. And like, let you know what we think. Right. And so then all of a sudden, all of a sudden after that, I couldn't comment anymore. And so I was like, oh man. So I don't know if someone's actually policing those comments. They were, they were on top of it. Cause I mean, I wasn't going to get any more. <laughs> more than that's that, like but... a sad way to get banned you didn't even like do something fun like drop an f-bomb or I don't know I'm like know. all my buttons ceased to work after well, that but well, so I could go... still at least watch they didn't like cut me off from the live feed so I could still watch the feed and I do think it was another race very well done with the coverage um you know I think there were times when we were all frustrated but like there were constraints right like I know they couldn't put cameras out on the third lap of the bike which like thank you for not putting cameras out on the third loop of the bike because that does get really dangerous to have those kinds of motos out there with the athletes like we can be patient and listen to Meredith and Matt tell, tell us some stories while we wait to find out what's happening right so um yeah. I think they they have done a really good job but um but yes yeah, so that was a fun race to watch unfold and then uh Ironman Cosmo was happening not wintry conditions in Cozumel. I don't think, I think a very swift swim. I was, I was seeing some comments about swift swimming in, in Cozumel. Um, but a big field down there too. Lots of good racing this weekend. Yeah. And Garuzzi Frades won that one. I think she ran like a two fifty four marathon. So another really fast marathon to win there. Lisa Norton second, Kylie Simpson third, and they did not have coverage of that race, but I think during the Arizona coverage, they did mention uh, who, who had won in Cozumel. So, so that was pretty cool. And I mean, all these people definitely, uh, you know, getting those Kona slots early, you know, coming off that Kona fitness or, or maybe feeling a little bit like they didn't have the race they wanted in Kona and they, you know, got a little redemption right after that. And so congratulations to everyone who raced, you know, I think you entertained me a lot this past weekend. 
Oh, you know who else raced this past weekend? Um, Jocelyn Wong, our, uh, our expert for the 70.3 world's preview show. She raced the JFK 50 miler and it looked like she had a really great day. Yeah, I did see that. I think she raced with, with her team of friends, the crazy fit Asians were the, was their team name. And, um, it looked like, I don't know. I saw pictures of smiles, which is always a good thing after running 50 miles. Um, I, I forget where, like the time I remember looking it up and I don't want to say a time that wasn't Jocelyn's, but I, I think I read her recap post and it seemed like she was happy and it seemed like she was already not planning to run again, but also planning to run again. So I think we're on the right track and congratulations, Jocelyn. I think, um, you know, that treadmill marathon hopefully got you well prepared for that race. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and there was other, one other win I noticed online, uh, Heidi Lube, who we interviewed, like, I think, you know, almost two years ago, uh, she won her race for mayor of Tigard, Oregon. And I think we, we talked to her when she was running for city council and now she's the mayor. And I was like, that's awesome. So, um, congrats to Heidi. Yeah, that's, oh, that is so cool. I forgot. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I did see that happen as well. Um, and let's see, should we talk about the mailbag Haley? Yes. I think we have a mailbag question. So we need to, we need to get on that. We do have a mailbag question and everyone can continue sending a mailbag questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your mailbag questions. This one comes from Kim and I thought this was a funny question. So she says she knows that I get scratched a lot. <laughs> Thorn scratches during races, FKT attempts. And she's curious how I prevent scars because she has recently switched from her flat pedals on her mountain bike, um, or switched to flat pedals on mountain bike. And for people, if you aren't a mountain bike, uh, mountain biker, and you, if you are on flat pedals on the mountain bike, a lot of times because of like how you bike and how the terrain is like the pedal, your foot might slip off and then it comes back or your leg goes into it. And they have, um, like little spikes on the pedals to keep your feet on them better, but like you still slip off from time to time. And then the spikes hit you in the shins and it hurts really bad. And you can get some really gnarly scratches and stuff from those. So Kim has been getting these scratches and she's now getting scars. So she's loving her pedals, but her legs look terrible. And Kim, I was looking at, I like literally got this email from you. And then I like rolled up my pants legs and I was like, Oh, my legs look terrible too. <laughs> I think that's just how it goes. It does. It will get better. Like I definitely have had after Barkley, I had really obviously with the cellulitis, everything looked more terrible than usual, but like I had really bad scratches after Barkley and that did clear up and get better. Um, I think because I got the scratches when I wasn't when it wasn't summertime. So like my tan wasn't as, as noticeable. And I think when that happens, it helps them go away faster. If you get scratches during the summertime, you're going to have to wait a long time. Like all of the skin has to kind of like cycle through and get better. It will get better and better. I think, I don't know. I don't use any special products, but I'll use whatever I find in the cabinet. So if I'm like, Oh, I am cleaning and I find some vitamin E oil. I'm like, I should put that on my scars. And like, I think that'll help. Right. Like any of those things I don't think hurt, but I don't have any magic formulas for you other than time and pride. Just be proud of them. 
That's what I was going to say. I know that, wait, what is the like, and the like thing that's supposed to help with scars quite expensive. It starts with like an M. I think there is like some kind of product. I I was going to say like bio oil. It's like an oil or something, right? Or like Mederma. Is it Mederma? I, I feel There's like that's definitely a combination things. of Moderna, Moderna, like the vaccine company <laughs> and like germ, like maybe it is that, but I feel like Betty Janelle, a friend of the podcast, she gave me some after I had gotten hit to like put on my scar. And I was like, I like my scar. It's like part of my life. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. That's how I feel like I'm like, it means I've done something. Oh, that's, I would rather not have it, but it is just one of those things where I'm like, it's just life, but I know yeah. I'm probably in the minority in that. And I should try to like put, get some vitamin E oil, <laughs> but yeah, there, yeah, I don't know. And like, I don't know. I think if you get a scratch trying, I don't know, I've tried, I've tried a bunch of different things when that happens and I always just get scars. So I think it's a, a point of, and then if I notice people looking at them, cause I have a lot of them on my legs at times, I just like, I say, Oh, look at these, you know, I try and like call them out so that they, I'm like, ma'am, people probably look at me all the time. It's like, what is she doing? Like running through thorn bushes. I'm like, yes, I am. I'm running through thorn bushes. Like, oh, you know, like, or, oh, like if someone's looking at you, be like, oh, do you mountain bike? Like, oh man, I just switched to flat pedals and I'm getting railed in the legs all the time by my pedals now. And maybe that person will have some tips for you or something. I don't know, but it's a good conversation starter. So <laughs> I've only had, no one has ever commented on my legs like that. The only time once when I was riding. No, so they don't comment. You have to oh. start it. You have to start just like air it, like bring okay. it out, get it out there so that, and be like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like this is terrible. Like one time I, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to be in a place to be able to tell your story. And then I don't know, but maybe you can make a friend or maybe they'd be like, Hey, I am a really fast cyclist. I'll ride outside with you. And then you'd have buddies to ride outside with. I don't know. Yeah, no, a conversation topic for sure. So I've, I was going to say, I've had someone yell at me once when I was like riding a commuter bike, they were like, nice calves. And that was kind of cool. I think I was like very dehydrated. It was like right after an Ironman. And so I was like, there's some benefit to all this. <laughs> I don't even, I'm like, oh goodness. I was just like, yeah, having a good day that day. But um, yeah. no one's commented on the scratches but maybe I just haven't been doing quite enough. I haven't, I don't, I don't have enough thorns in my area, but, um, I can aspire to, to you and Kim's level. Yeah. But Kim, thanks for the question. Sorry. We didn't have a life-changing answer for you on that one, but if other people have questions for us, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com, you can send them into our mailbag. Yeah. And Alyssa, this is a big week. Um, it is, you know, obviously Thanksgiving week in the U S but also, Ultraman World Championship Week, which is uh, something we are very, very excited about here. And for most of our listeners, you probably have listened to, we've talked to, you know, recently we talked to a couple of the women who are going to be competing, Didi Griesbauer, one of our faves, and Leanda Cave, also another favorite of the podcast. And both those women are going to be racing this week. And so Ultraman World Championships are happening in Kona in Hawaii. And on the, I mean, not just in Kona, I think goes around the entire big Island, but they start on Friday, November 25th. They go through the 27th, three day, three day format. And, um, so if you're listening to this on the day, it comes out Thursday, uh, they'll be starting tomorrow. So hopefully we'll be able to follow, follow the action there. And just as a refresher for our listeners, Ultraman day one is a six mile or 10 kilometer swim followed by a 90 mile or 145 kilometer bike. 
Day two is a 170 mile bike or 276 kilometers. And day three is a 52 mile or 84 kilometer double marathon run. And in Hawaii, they do that. They, they run from Javi, which is the turnaround on the bike course for the Ironman world championships. They run that back into Kona. So, uh, for those of us who have, who have, you know, had the pleasure of riding that section of road, it's hard to imagine running it. (laughs) Like it's, it's hard. It is very hard. There's not much shade out there and a lot of wind and, um, hot. So definitely a big, big event. And so we are talking to, uh, Amy Robitaille who actually won Ultraman Canada. So you remember when we talked to Leanda a few months ago, it was after, uh, that race in Ultraman Canada where four of the top five finishers were women. And so Amy was the winner of that race. And so we talked to her about that race and about how many women were in that race. And Amy is unfortunately will not be racing the Ultraman world championships in Hawaii this year. So she tells us about that decision and so much more. We'll have that whole conversation right after a word from our sponsors. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hello. Thank you. So we are excited to talk to you today as the both the overall and the women's <laughs> champion at Ultraman Canada 2022. And did I read correctly that this was actually your first Ultraman race? Yes. First time. <laughs> so what drew yeah. you to Ultraman? <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's fascinating. It's a three-day thing. Um, I'm sure you would agree that it's uh, sort of one of a kind. Um, I know someone um, who... Uh, when I first had started um, into triathlon from the beginning, um, was training for the world championships um, in Hawaii. Um, And uh, following his journey uh, through that was something like, so it was awe-inspiring, of course, um, all of that training. And it was just like a, I could never, most of us could never at that time. I had never even done an Ironman. Um, you know, it was just like, it was incredible. So over the years, this was many years ago, um, over the years, it's just sort of, um, sat there in the back of my mind. Um, I've watched it, especially the world championships, um, closely and seeing what other people can do and thought, you know what, why not me? Why not try it? Right. So, um, yeah. And then here I am after many years, 2022 was (laughs) just the year. It was just the year that it (laughs) all came together. It was the year that it all came together. Yeah. I really decided I was going to do it in 2018. Um, and it has, it took this many years to, for things to fall into place, of course. So, (laughs) and Amy at Ultraman Canada, you took the overall lead on day three by averaging a very impressive 854 per mile or about five and a half um, minutes per kilometer pace to finish Mm -hmm. the double marathon in seven hours and 46 minutes. And we think you did that doing like a run walk plan. So can you tell us about that run? And as you were running, you know, did you know that you had the overall lead? Like, was there strategy throughout? What were you thinking? Uh, well, the strategy really, um, <laughs> like all races, I think that most people do, especially by the time you get to the run is don't blow up. <laughs> um, there was no man's land involved. Of course, it was the longest side of a run. Um, but my plan was very particular in run walk, um, in all of my training, um, uh, my long runs for training. Um, I did incorporate, 
uh, two kilometers of walking and one minute um, running. Um, just to make sure that I was getting the fueling. Opposite. Two kilometers running, one minute walking. Oh, it was very impressive. Yeah, very um, impressive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like 854 pace. Yeah, I was no, like, oh, you're a race walker. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a race walker. <laughs> but actually, I kind of tried to look like a race walker as I was doing the walk breaks. Really? The beginning. Um, okay. Not really. Uh, uh, just because I wasn't ready to walk yet. I mean, two kilometers in, I was passed um, by the incredible uh, Marla Zoot uh, in my first little walk break. And she actually asked me, like, is everything okay? Um, and I, it, which is really, really hard. 2K in, uh, when you're feeling really good, it's kind of downhill to be like, nope, this is my plan and I'm sticking to it. Um, so yeah, 2K you know, out of 84K. Yeah. To like give our listeners perspective, you know, 52 miles, like, yeah, you're 1.6 miles in. You're pretty, you're pretty early. Into yeah, the race pretty you're early, pretty fresh, you know. Um, it was really, I looked like I was taking it, like, you know, just trying to, you know, appreciate the day, which I, I was, I guess, in a sense. Um, yeah. So, um, practicing it, uh, I really realized that that's when the fueling was going to, um, uh, come in that I was not going to skip any fueling and by keeping those, um, walk breaks. And I think at the beginning, it was kind of like a 35 to 40 second walk break, you know, and trying to get back into it. Um, and I also made sure that I wasn't doing any of those walk breaks on any downhill, of course, like just, you know, try to keep it, you know, I can see an incline. It was a very hilly, very, very hilly, um, course. So, you know, I knew I would end up walking up some of those, um, inclines. That was my plan. So I just sort of, um, rolled with it when I could see hills coming and took that as my walk break. Um, I got to see my crew in a lot of the walk breaks, which was fun to like make it a little bit social, you know, um, really get sponges and keep myself cooled during those breaks. It actually, um, not to, conflate myself with a world champion at um, Kona, but it was actually really validating to see Chelsea Sidero take little walk breaks at the uh, aid, at the aid station. So it was like, yes, yeah, see, you can walk and win. <laughs> I'm sure she followed my plan. Uh, I'm sure that was it. Um, yeah. So, you know, getting into that last bit of the course, and realizing there was someone um, driving, uh, he was just a volunteer driving along um, back and forth throughout the course all day saying, you know, what my lead was. I didn't really, you don't know what you don't know. And when you still have like 20K to go, it's like, okay, uh, I hope this plan that I am utilizing will just keep working. And I just kept feeling good the whole time. So um, and I think that that also, I mean, my crew was amazing and kept my spirits up and forced me to drink a lot of water and, and fuel and everything. And, and that certainly helped too. Yeah. So it sounds like you didn't know you'd won until like other people had finished. Is that kind of, you're just like sitting around at the finish line waiting? Yeah, that's kind of the way, I mean, it was great to come through the finish first and that was, you know, oh, such a relief to be done. Um, but yeah, I still had to wait out the clock because um, the uh, uh, Christian Isaacson, who was in um, in the lead leading into day three, he had a 25 minute lead on me. So I I had to wait at least 26 minutes. <laughs> do they until... have like a banner that you get to do? Or they like, no, no, no. Everyone like waits around. Everyone kind of waits around. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, it's... 
in an event like Ultraman, every single person that comes through the finish line, um, everyone comes through with their crew and, you know, there's hugs from everyone, race director, everyone. So every single person that comes through really is a winner in this, right? It's just such a, um, you know, it's a big, you feel like you know everyone so well by the end of day three, like you've come, this is your third finish that you're coming through. Mm -hmm. right? You're, you've come through day one um, and then day two. So, uh, you know, you're coming through a finish and it's, you know, there's celebration each day. Um, but I would say whether you know you've got the win or not, uh, it's the same kind of celebration. Like it certainly felt that way for every finisher that came in after me, for sure. So on day two, you averaged just under 20 miles per hour, I think, which is a little over 31 kilometers per hour for 171 miles, 276 kilometers on the bike. And you set a new women's course record of eight hours and 45 minutes. So did you, we know this was your first Ultraman, but did you go <laughs> into the race with the goal of breaking records and taking the win or did that just happen? I would say it just happened. Um, I mean, I, I trained to do the very best that I could for myself, right? So I certainly wanted to do well by all of the training and preparation and um, the day, the day one, um, I had had a lot of stomach issues and it was just, it was actually, it was a hard day. It was a very hard, the swim was great, but for me, but the bike was particularly hard. So as I got into day two and things were just going well, for sure, um, going, you know, the way that I could, would have dreamed of them going, it was actually, it just, it felt so good to have the day that I um, felt like it was, you know, the course record, I didn't, honestly, I didn't know what the course record was. Um, uh, my coach, um, who is the one that had done the um, Ultraman World Championships when I had first met him, um, he was on my crew and in just leading into the last, it was a 30 K to a turnaround and then a 30 K back. So leading into that last 60 K, um, which I was in second at that point, um, he ch chased beside me as I'm climbing up this hill and it's hot and it's, you know, this is no man's land. Cause I haven't biked this far in my life. Um, he said, okay, your Garmin says you have six hours and 58 minutes of biking that you've done. The course record is nine hours and three minutes. You have 30 K out and 30 K back. You, you need to do the math. And of course I'm like math. Okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> That's a big ask, but right. And even just the math of it. Um, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh no, this is like, this is close. Right. So I'm all of a sudden I'm like, okay. And I'm still feeling really good. And I know all I have to do is bike 60 K in, okay, how much time do I have to do it? And, you know, my crew is going crazy and seeing that things are still going well, just as I was riding off, he was like, and it's okay to take the lead. And at that point it was like, I hadn't really, because this is, this is a man that is in front of me that has been, you know, he was, um, leading into day two. Um, he's done a lot of Ultramans and I, it was actually, it was something that I hadn't really considered that I could pass this 
strong biker, this man on this, uh, on, you know, after 200K of biking, but I wanted that record and I wanted to see if I could do it. So it became like, okay, well, he's not going to get in the way of that. And I'm just going to, I'm not even going to worry about him. I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to go for it. So it was like, I've never felt such a sense of urgency to <laughs> continuously do calculations as I'm watching my Garmin. It was um, uphill into a headwind on the first 30K and I knew, okay, if I just suffer through it, hopefully I will get some sort of relief on the way back, which I did. It was, it was phenomenal. It, it, things worked out. <laughs> it was really great. <laughs> yeah. And we think that the women's total course record of 24 hours, 16 minutes is held by Kate Bevilacqua um, when she earned the overall win at Ultra 520K Canada in 2015. So can you kind of just help us understand the difference between Ultraman Canada and Ultra 520K since they seem like two different races, but they're sharing the same record (laughs) books? Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's you, if you, we can do one more podcast and I can talk about all of that. (laughs) Um, of course, things that I know, um, it has to do with, um, the, uh, Ultraman, I guess it's not really a franchise. I guess the, the organization of Ultraman, um, uh, having, um, left Penticton for a number of years in the middle there. And the former Ultraman Canada race director um, went ahead and um, ran a race that he named um, Ultraman uh, Ultra 520 and ran that race there for a number of years. Actually, this year was the last year that they had it. They did run both on opposite, on separate weekends. Um, so it was for many years, the only ultra race. So exactly the same distances and the same course, um, on, uh, that was running out of Penticton this year, they ran the, the race, uh, it was a slightly different course, but same distances. Um, and as of next year, it will, and moving forward, it's just Ultraman Canada. Um, and the, uh, ultra 520 is, is no longer going to, to be a thing, but because they were, um, both the same course and same distance and one, they were not both happening at the same time for so many years, they kind of, um, I guess those, those course records would be, um, same condition, same, same course. All of that is, is my guess. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there at Ultraman Canada, there were 15 official finishers this year and seven of them were, were women, including four of the top five. So we know this was your first Ultraman. So you don't have a lot of frame of reference, but you followed the race. Did it feel to you like women were noticeably well-represented in the race? Absolutely. Um, and I think that there were, there were over 20 finishers. So there over were 20. Okay. Man, yeah. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. There were, um, don't ask me to do math while we're no, while that's okay. Bike. I trust me. I did all of my math for a lifetime on that uh, last 60 K of that course. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, when I saw the start list, which was, um, on the car ride from Vancouver to Penticton a few days before the race, um, the start list was, uh, uh, athlete photos with their name underneath, you know, it was just sort of a a little roster on the Ultraman Canada website. I don't know why I went and looked at it um, to see who was starting. Um, 
generally I would be more intimidated by that, but um, it became noticeable. And I mean, visually too, when you see, you know, women's photos, I was like, wait a minute, there's a lot of women on this list. So I actually went back and like counted almost half of the starters of the race were women. I think that there were 12 that started, uh, 12 women that were starting and, and 13 men that were starting. So uh, it was, uh, I actually went back and was like, there's no way because these races just do not have this many women. It's just, it, it is, I'm like, this has to be a record for women starters. Um, yeah, I have followed Ultraman. I crewed for a friend at Ultraman Florida in 2020, right before the world closed. Um, and I saw, you know, I saw women finish and it was fantastic, but certainly not the, the amount of women that were um, on this start list. So, I mean, it was so exciting to see, um, like there's gonna be a lot of women um, just like me. Also, there's going to be women that are maybe not like me in that this is their first one of these races. These women look really like, I don't know, all of their photos, they looked le totally legit. And I was like, oh, no. Um, I mean, seeing Leanda Cave's name and photo, I was like, this is, you know, when you, it just brought me right back to watching her win at Kona and was like, she is just going to be starting the race with me. Yeah, that's normal. Um, you know, there's not just women, but, you know, a, a pro woman as well. It was just, um, you know, it was exciting and intimidating as well. And I mean, that's not what I was expecting going into the race. So it was really, um, it was such a nice surprise to see that um, I wasn't the only woman that wanted to give this a go you know um and wow was I ever inspired by the women that I saw especially you know coming in on on day one even you know the next two finishers right behind me were women I had you know uh, Leanda had finished just before me it was like oh okay well everyone has shown up for this race for sure um so that was really great to see even going in you know finishing day one even you know and one of your post-race interviews alluded to the fact that your kids uh, might be excited for a potential trip to Hawaii <laughs> for the Ultraman World Championships, but we didn't see your name on the start list for this November. So can you tell us about that decision uh, not to be racing in Hawaii this year? Yeah, man, I wish I could. I wish I could even just be there to, you know, watch it all happen. I mean, I'm super excited. Um, unfortunately, even going to Ultraman Canada and not realizing I was going to love it and have the experience that I actually did. Um, I knew that, that Hawaii wasn't going to be able to happen for me this year. Um, I am a teacher and I, it's impossible for me to get that kind of time off in such short notice. Um, so I'm working on it for next year. Um, uh, yeah, it just involves like taking a lot of time off to get a little bit of time off. And, uh, but every little decision we make in my house involves my kids saying, but what about Hawaii? Hawaii's happening, right? We're going to Hawaii. <laughs> well, and Ultraman World Championships is usually around Thanksgiving week for the U.S. based yes. residents, right? Who, yes. So that helps a little bit with like vacation and stuff, but I'm assuming obviously teaching in Canada, you're not going to get that that week, right? Because Canadian yeah, Thanksgiving is, different. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's different. And um, yeah, with the way that it works, I mean, I'm, I'm working on it and I hope that I can, uh, it would involve me taking a semester off. 
um, which is a thing that, that teachers do. And, uh, you know, trust me, it would be great to have the extra time to train and all of that. Um, but yeah, it can't happen for this year. So I will be using that time to cheer and follow along. Um, the first time I watched Ultraman, my, when my friend and coach was doing it, we had a party at my house on that Thanksgiving weekend, which was also my son's birthday to watch him. And he, he did win the championships, which was, um, you know, Great. So we'll be watching from here. Hopefully the coverage is good. I know that on Facebook, they do a lot of updates. So hopefully we'll be able to cheer for everybody. Yeah. And, and you mentioned Chelsea Sidero earlier, who just won the Ironman <laughs> world championship, becoming just the second mother to do so. And Chelsea has spoken about really wanting to show that moms belong in the endurance sport community and making sure that they have the financial and emotional support to be there. So has your identity as a mom influenced your competitive athletic career aside from just giving those kids that dream vacation to Hawaii? <laughs> yeah, as much as it's about their vacation. Um, yeah, it's a, it's I, a hard vacation. I can't imagine. <laughs> That's the only thing I'm like, do they know what they're in for? Yeah, I feel like they're going to swoop in at the last second and, you know, enjoy it. But oh. um, yeah, so certainly I think that that is true. I mean, there's nothing more exciting than watching. Um, moms do great things for sure. Women doing great things, moms doing great things. Um, I don't think that I would have been able to train for this kind of race with a, with a small um, child like she has. Uh, my kids are a little bit older, uh, actually a lot older. Um, but I can certainly say that um, endurance wise, it really after my kids were born is when I started to really um, pick things up as far as, um, wanting to do more. Um, and I think not that I was looking for my identity, but almost like it, it mattered more to me or just showing up meant more to me. Um, you know, I've, I've always been a runner, um, and I had run a couple of very, tragic, disastrous marathons before I had kids when I was like 20 and didn't know what I was doing. Fueling was like, what? Um, And then after, yeah, after my kids were born, when I would go out for, and I ran like thousands of miles with strollers, um, you know, running with my kids in the stroller and singing to them while running. Um, But when I would go for runs, I joined uh, like a local track club and everything showing up to run. It was like, I'm, I'm making the time for this. So um, it it, clearly this matters to me. And I mean, maybe my kids will see that, that I, you know, I was getting up at four 30 in the morning to fit training in and and all of that stuff so that it wouldn't necessarily affect our day. But um, it certainly was more about just being able to have something that was for me or that mattered to me, right? I have a very, very supportive husband who is like, I mean, I don't think that he would be my crew chief and we would still be married if he um, wasn't supportive. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, knowing how much this mattered to me um, means my family has sort of bought into it. You know, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, and, and I, I, I didn't feel this way before I had a family and had to sort of schedule all of this kind of stuff in. And I'm grateful for all of the support 
of my family. Um, but I think that maybe it's because they see that this matters so much to me. And it certainly, I mean, it's, it has paid off, I think a little bit. <laughs> and like you said, you had a running background, um, but you have posted online about having open water swimming anxiety, which we know mm -hmm. keeps many people from signing up for triathlons of any distance. And so clearly, you know, I don't want to say you necessarily overcame it. I don't want to put those words in your mouth, but <laughs> you managed to coexist with it enough to get through a yeah. 10k open water swim, right? Which is a big deal. So do you have any advice for someone who might be afraid of open water swimming? Um, yeah. And I think that I, thank you for not putting words in my mouth there with the overcoming. Um, I think that it's something that I overcome every single time I swim um, in open water. Um, and I think that there are a lot of people that are just like me um, uh, out there that have, uh, have gone through, um, anxiety. I mean, it's, it's funny as an adult learning to swim as an adult, I think that that's just, um, uh, it, it is a theme that some of us deal with. Um, but my biggest, uh, advice is to not, um, don't assume every swim is going to be like that. Um, I've had to teach myself that every time um, and stay in the moment you are in. Um, that's the biggest thing that I have learned when in open water. Um, I was very, I was anticipating um, some anxiety in that. I mean, it, 10K and I, the lake is beautiful and it's very vast and big. And I was just like, oh, that is the perfect place to feel overwhelmed and have uh, some anxiety. This looks like exactly the kind of place that I would be anxious um, but yeah, I, I told myself just stay in the stroke you're in, stay in the, the meter you're in, you know, count. I do a lot of counting if I, if I get anxious, so just count every stroke. And if the anxiety creeps back in, take it from the top. Sometimes I get to, I count to a hundred. Sometimes I get to five and have to start again. Um, but it just sort of keeps me in that moment and not overwhelmed by, you know, the next nine K or the next whatever it is. And, and sometimes thinking, um, about, oh my gosh, after this, I have to bike. Oh, oh and then there's the swim. What am I, why do I think I should be here even, um, just staying in that moment? Certainly, um, it helps me to calm that anxiety. Um, and you know, realizing, oh, it actually is going to be a great day. It's, you know, having a kayaker there that's very supportive also really helps. And I am so grateful to him. <laughs> and Ultraman is a long race. A lot can go wrong. Even things that aren't necessarily quote unquote that bad, you know, like having to stop at a stoplight or getting passed by a guy in jorts, um, <laughs> that happened to you, which I'm like, who is this guy in jorts who's going like 20 <laughs> miles an hour. Um, but that can throw an athlete off in the moment. So do you have any tips or tricks that you use to, to stay in the moment in that case, when things might be kind of unraveling, how do you keep yourself going? Man, well, all that I definitely was not going um, 20 miles an hour at that point. That was um, in getting out of town. Takes I, I, it was like stoplight central. My Garmin was not picking up any. My power meter it was not picking it up, or my heart rate. Nothing was working on my Garmin. So I'm like trying to troubleshoot. Oh, there's a stoplight. Don't want to get caught not stopping. And this guy, clearly a local, and knows the system of the lights. Just, and he not only was wearing jean shorts, but he had like 
baskets of stuff on his bike and he had like timed the light. So I'm in like how much of a, it was actually, it was, it was pure comedy really. And it, it was easy to laugh at myself in my arrow helmet. I've, you know, got a disc wheel on my bike, you know, and this jorts guy just rolls on through and I'm like, I, there's, of course, because of course, right? Like this is, this is exactly how it's supposed to be at the beginning of, you know, I had 145 kilometers to, to bike that day. And here I am getting passed by this dude. Um, so yeah, not, I think not taking everything so seriously, especially, you know, the stoplights are going to happen. It seemed like I was getting every single one that day. Um, yeah, just realizing it's going to be a long day. This is a long event. Chill out. You will be fine. You know, um, yeah, not getting too caught up and taking myself too seriously, I think helped through a lot of those things, especially like, you know, my Garmin wasn't picking anything up. And honestly, sorry, coach, but I was like, hey, I don't have to worry about all the times I'm going to coast downhill or not pedal, keeping my cadence up because this isn't being recorded, you know? So there were some advantages. Oh, my power. Oh, no power file for today. Oh, well, you know? So, you know, I tried to look for the silver lining a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And as part of your Ultraman training, um, you set a fastest known time or an FKT on the 70K 43 mile Caledon Trailway. Did I say that correctly? It's yes, in Ontario. Um, and I have been a fan of incorporate incorporating chasing FKTs, you know, in the mix with my own triathlon career. So for you, kind of how did that come about? And what was it that, you know, did achieving that FKT give you more confidence going into something like Ultraman? Oh, that was great. I mean, wow. Um I loved it and was like, wow, I FK, maybe this is what I really want to do with, with, uh, with running and with racing. It was really, um, pretty awesome. Um, after, so last, so the, the summer of 2021, I trained, um, specifically for a simulation for Ultraman, um, which was a, it was my first one that I did. So I did 5k swim, a hundred kilometer bike the next day, 200 kilometer bike, and then a 50 K run on the third day. So as a simulation for, um, you know, experiencing three days in a row at a shorter distance and the 50 K run, and I had done a few 50 Ks, but wow, it a little bit killed me. It was hot. It was the third day. I was like, running is my thing. I can't even believe this. So I, um, a little bit bullied my coach into letting me train for something longer. I was like, I need more run. And he's like, you running though, is the thing you're most experienced in. And I was like, I need, I need more. Um, and this was last fall. So it was like, it's sort of the perfect time. Um, so originally I was like, maybe I should do a 50 miler and we back and forth. And he found this, um, FKT, uh, that was, it's local to me. I drive past, uh, the, the mile zero on my way to work every day. Uh, but I had never run it. So he was like, Hey, this is what the current FKT is. And I, you know, it's, it's within your range. If you, you know, if you train, um, so why not give it a go? This could be a fun challenge for you. And it really was last fall. I had a lot of, um, a lot of really good runs that just built my confidence really, as far as running goes. 
Um, I did that FKT with the um, 2K run one minute walk. Um, and it was just like, it was such good practice oh, in the end though. Wow. It was my first time running more than 50 K. So by the, by the time I got to 70 K, I was, um, sad and alone <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, it was such a confidence, um, uh, builder, um, at a time that was not, um, it didn't affect my recovery for a lot of, especially the biking and swimming that was going to be coming upon me. So it was kind of, I, I've, I'm still chasing that high of that 70 K honestly. Um, it was, it was really great. And it was also, um, I did it unsupported. So it was also, um, like the exact opposite of what Ultraman is with, a, with people there to give you things, um, as you need them. But, um, it also was a chance for me to work through things, you know, when the going gets tough on my own. Um, I was safe and I was fine, but I certainly mentally was able to work through, um, you know, what it's like to be uh, running longer than you ever have before on your own. So um, yeah, it was really, it was actually a really great experience and I can't wait to do another one at some point. <laughs> so there's been a lot of, technology innovation in triathlon gear in recent years. We saw the carbon plated shoes with extra stack heights and bikes with no top tubes. Do you think Ultraman athletes, are they as obsessed with gear? I mean, you alluded to your air helmet, you rode with a disc, um, but mm -hmm. you know, is it, is, is gear as big a deal? Even, I mean, it's a long race, so it seems like it might be, but then I, I feel like Ultraman has more of a laid back vibe. So where do we land? I, I feel like it's, you know, I was definitely obsessively arrow for sure. Like I want, I mean, I had this argument with my coach a few times, like, don't I want as few Watts as possible I want to use as few Watts as possible. And <laughs> he's like, no, you want both. Um, you want to use a lot of Watts and then go even faster. Um, so yeah, I mean, if I, if it was, between comfort and arrow, I picked arrow, um, every time, um, certainly, uh, and hope for the best. Hopefully I can hold this for 276 K. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I certainly was like, I can't wear, I'm not wearing, you know, I have a pair of, um, Vaporfly uh, Nike shoes that I bought exactly right before the pandemic and have worn them um, one time because they've sat in my closet. Um, and I was like, oh, I can't wear those shoes when I'm run walking. Like this is like, I, I don't want to be the person walking in Vaporflies. Like how silly does that look, you know, on a dirt road or whatever. Um, you know, so it's like I had my own idea of what was acceptable and not. Um, I, there was a lot of back and forth over whether I should roll up, uh, with a disc wheel because like, who do I think I am, you know, riding this far, it is Ultraman. Am I going to be the only one? Are people going to be on road bikes? Just, you know, having a good time. Um, but I mean, every second faster you are, that's more recovery. And that's, you know, I was a little bit obsessed with that. Um, so yeah, I feel like I've seen, and what with my two, um, my experiences at two Ultramans, one as a crew and one as a participant, I feel like I've, uh, you, you get both, right? And just like in an Ironman, you see people on fat bikes and you see people, you know, full arrow. So um, 
yeah, I think it's, I, I think that I tried to have sort of a, a combination of both laid back personality, but as much arrow as I could get, I don't know. So you didn't race in the vapor flies. I didn't. Okay. I, did I would. Oh my I God. Know, I definitely I would have one. There's so no People wear they, them in the airport, I, I, well, I feel I have, like. like yeah, you know, I was just vapor flies. It's, there's no shame. <laughs> well, um, I was actually at a, my, one of my kids um, is on his, the cross country team. And at a cross country race the other day, we saw a kid in vapor flies, like running on the grassy cross country course. So, you know, vapor flies anywhere. Um, yeah, I also having not really worn them. I have been like saving them for the, the right time. It certainly didn't feel like a good time to, you know, try them out um, on a, and, and this course also um, had a lot of gravel. It, the, a lot of the, um, I don't know, it was, might've been 40 K was gravel. So I wasn't, I, something with a little bit more grip on the bottom um, felt like the right choice, but no judgment. I used a disc wheel. I feel like that was like, <laughs> <laughs> and Amy, when you're racing, you're racing in a very distinct discomfort zone kit. So can you yes. tell us about, uh, the coaching group behind the kit and the overall ethos of the group? Uh, yeah. So I joined discomfort zone in 2015. Um, they're a group, um, sort of in person doing things together out of Guelph. Um, the head coach of Discomfort Zone is Mike Coughlin, who um, has done a few Ultramans. Um, notably, uh, he won um, Ultraman Hawaii in 2015 and was second in 2011. Um, so he has been my coach since 2015. He won Ultraman in 2015. So um, he has had a few of us as athletes um, that have uh, completed, um, Ultraman races. Um, but the group, um, itself, um, is more than just Ultraman for sure. Um, some of my greatest friends and, um, uh, best experiences have been with the group. Um, someone uh, sort of said one time that, uh, uh, discomfort zone DZ, um, as a lot of people call the group um, is very hardcore, but um, I certainly would say I've never felt um, more supported and um, varied um, in the kind of training that we do, um, uh, you know, whether coached or in a group setting. Um, a lot of us are triathletes, but there's a lot of, uh, of us that are, you know, runners and cyclists and um, it's a good, it's a really good group to be a part of. And I certainly would not be where I am as an athlete or as a person, I think most importantly, without, um, without the training group that I'm part of. And so Amy, the Ultraman world champs, they're happening on the big Island of Hawaii, November 25th through 27th. And this race hasn't happened since 2019. And I've Again, my counting is suspect, but I think there were like nine women on a 40 person start list, um, including recent Iron Women podcast guests, Leanda Cave and Dee Dee Grace Bauer and two-time returning champ, Tara Norton, who I think is actually on the podcast before I was on the podcast. But um, since you aren't racing, can you share some predictions of how you think that race might play out. Are you excited to watch? I am very excited to watch. Um, I ugh, predicting, I mean, I'm just, I'm so excited. Um, 
DD raced um, Ultraman Florida when I was crewing um, at, for a friend at, at Ultraman Florida. So seeing her in that race, oh man, she was smooth. I mean, even on, you know, on the run, she did not look like she faltered even a little bit. <laughs> so um, I'm very excited to see her get her chance to go to uh, Florida. It's, you know, that was 2020 right before the pandemic hit. Um, so now it's, you know, two and a half years later and, and she is finally going. So I'm excited about that. Leanda, obviously, um, I raced with her in, um, in Canada. So, I mean, representing the Ultraman Canada crew for this year um, will be exciting. Um, and Tara Norton is local-ish to me. She's um, from Toronto. So um, I see her um, and her training group um, around at local events all the time. Uh, and I remember watching her win in 2018. Um, actually watching her win in 2018 um, was uh, that weekend was the, the weekend I decided I'm, I, I, it's going to happen. I think I'm going to do this, uh, thing. So, um, I, I don't know the other women that are on the list, but the, those three are my top, um, top picks to watch, uh, for sure, especially because the dynamic, uh, in Hawaii is, it's going to be, I mean, Tara has the, um, the leg up for experience on the Island, but the other two are so strong. I, you know, they did the Iron Man, I guess <laughs> they've both done well mm -hmm. there. Top 10 oh, yes. Jonah. I mean, it's Lee true. One, I mean, I just like, it is going to be a fascinating race, but I, yeah, Hawaii is different and Hawaii yeah. and going all the way around that Island 10 K is so I, you know, I mean, maybe it's not teaching. Maybe I'm just too afraid to go. I'm putting it off. No, so next year. I don't I know. <laughs> We, I'm, I'm a little bummed you aren't there. I'm a little bummed you're not there in the mix. Cause I just think this would have been like such an incredible race, but you know, maybe everyone's just going to have to come back next year. That's right. Thank you so much for telling us about the day. I hope that your story definitely inspires other women. I know there are women out there listening right now who are thinking to themselves, similar to like where you were, that they had seen it and maybe thought of themselves doing it. And so it's great when you can share your story and we're getting more women to these, these types of events and yeah, totally yes. flipping the script on what we're used to seeing Do with it. numbers. It's, you know what, this is, this is our time. This is our time, right? <laughs> but thanks so much for coming on and yeah, we'll be, we'll be cheering for everyone on the big Island this year, but also waiting to see your name <laughs> on that start list, hopefully coming soon too. Well, thank you. <laughs> Okay, Alyssa, you know, I'm psyched about this showdown that's going to be happening this weekend in Hawaii. And I went to the Ultraman website, ultramanworlds.com, and they do have a, a page that says results 2022. So I'm very hopeful they will post some results there each day. Uh, do you know, have any insight on how we might follow the race in Hawaii? You know, I, I'm hopeful like you that that website might <laughs> pop live, but I, I I don't know if I would necessarily count on that. What I would suggest is there's a public group on Facebook called Ultraman and that looks like it's been active, um, with people involved with the race. So that seems very promising to me that I bet each day at some point we'll get a picture of like the whiteboard where they keep results as people come through each day. Um, that's usually like the big scoreboard for an event like that when you're there. And I bet someone will be there taking a photo of that and posting it in the Facebook group each day is my, my hope. And then, yeah, I think 
maybe some Instagram following of the cruise would be, would be maybe give us some tidbits. Yeah. I've seen that Laura Siddle has been out training with DD in Hawaii. They've already been there. So I'm assuming Laura is on as part, part of DD's crew. So definitely I would check out her Instagram and then Jenny Fletcher, who we interviewed with Leanda, I'm assuming is, is going to be out there, uh, helping crew for Leanda. So, or at least getting some information. So I'd follow their, their Instagram, their Instagram stories. Hopefully we'll get some updates, uh, throughout the day. You know, it's, it's a hard race to run and a hard race to track. So, but I think that's part of the appeal, right? It's kind of like Barkley where you have to like really search for any information and you're just like, trying to hang on for like the, the random tweet. I mean, how are we going to feel, how are we going to follow Barkley if Twitter goes away? <laughs> this is a, that, that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. <laughs> Pull that out in the outro. <laughs> All Instagram right. Well, good stories, Instagram stories. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Keith. Will I don't know. Like that would be probably pictures. a tough sell to get people to transition over to Instagram for Barkley, but, um, we'll hope that it does happen for, for Ultraman for sure. And good luck to all the women there who are getting ready to crush it. Haley, happy American Thanksgiving. And to our listeners, happy Thanksgiving. Um, even to non-Americans, just happy Thanksgiving. It's a good day to give thanks. We're thankful for you. Yeah. We're thankful for our listeners. But Alyssa, have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week. Bye, Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Woman is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Amelia Perry and produced by Ellen Etitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.